So, Jackson, tell me about your childhood. My childhood? Yeah. All right. Well, I grew up Southern Baptist. Um, have two parents, you know. I, I grew up in a home where my parents were together. Um, I grew up with two sisters. Um, and I, I had a really good childhood, actually. Um, I didn't really have... Um, I don't know. I'm very blessed. Just very blessed. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So when is the first time that you remember having a real encounter with Jesus? Uh, five years ago. Um, I did, like when I started feeling conviction was when I was probably about 17. When God, when I knew like God was kind of working. How old are you now? 25. I'll be 26, the 16th. Um, but yeah, like, so uh, I watched the movie God's Not Dead at a youth thing. Um, when I was 16 or 17 and, uh, you know, God was really working on me cause I really, at that time period, I, I considered myself agnostic. Um, I believed in God, but I didn't believe, like, I didn't care nothing about him. You know, I didn't, um, I didn't care to have anything to do with him. I wanted to do my thing. And I guess kind of like all people, you know, where it's like, I want my ticket, but I don't want to serve him, you know? Uh, I don't want to give him my life, but um, I want to make sure I go to heaven. Um, but I watched God's Not Dead, and uh, it really wrecked me. And when the guy gets hit by the car, the professor at the end of the movie, um, he's laying on the ground, and you know this guy comes running and you know says, "Do you know Jesus?" and and he says, "Yeah, I know God, but I don't know God. You know, uh, I've hated God." And that's how I felt. That's where I was at. Was I was angry with God. Um, couldn't explain really why. Um, but I, maybe some of that had to do with just being a kid, but also my dad and stuff, you know. Um, but anyways, so when I turned about, I think it was 18, maybe right at 19, um, I was partying a lot, drinking a lot. And uh, I was working at Taco Bell and I got a phone call to come in early. Um, to open, and I was sick as a dog, man. Just didn't feel good. Um, I was kind of seeking the Lord a little bit, you know, because I was in college and I got in a bad car wreck, and you know, I was like, okay, God, are you trying to get my attention? Um, but you know, so I bought my myself a Bible, and so I was reading it here and there, but I wasn't full on, you know, um, converted. Were you going to church regularly at that time? Or? Yeah, like I would go, but my heart wasn't in it. You know, I'd just mm-hmm. go. And I would show up like 30 minutes late, you know, because I didn't want to hear the singing. I just wanted to hear the preaching and leave. Um, but anyways, so I went into work and I was puking a lot, you know, because I was sick from drinking the night before. And uh, man, I was just miserable. I dropped out of college. Um, cause it just wasn't going good. I didn't like it. I was only there cause of my dad. He wanted me to cause my two sisters didn't really go. And, um, anyways, I was puking and man, there was just a moment where I just self-reflection, you know, and I just said, you know what, God, if you're real, I was like, my life is miserable. It's going nowhere. I'm in a dead end relationship. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not close to you. You know, I'm angry with my parents. Um, my life just sucks, you know, and uh, I said, but if you're real, I said, I'll take what you can give me. And man, something, as soon as that surrender happened in my heart, something was different. I knew immediately. 
um, something was different. So I sobered up and, you know, I wasn't sick. Uh, and, you know, it, it was weird how it happened. It was really supernatural. Um, and man, I, I ended up, I didn't know what fasting was at the time, but I stopped eating on my lunch breaks and I just started reading my Bible. And man, more and more, I just knew I was getting closer to the Lord. I was praying more. Um, and the Lord just really changed my life from that moment on. I got you. So you were 19 at the time? Yeah, I believe I just turned 19. So, you know, take me through, did, were you discipled by anybody or were you just learning stuff on your own? Uh, no, I wasn't really discipled. I mean, there was guys, uh, another friend of our, Nat, you know, friends of ours, Nat, he, um, me and him were going to the same church at the time and we were around some guys that were pretty solid, but they were just really big into theology, you know? Yeah. And uh, so we would do debates on Wednesdays, which I don't really recommend. <laughs> but <laughs> like apologetics, or uh, yeah. And you know, and you had a bunch of kids that were just—I mean, college students that were just, you know, puddle deep in their faith. Mm-hmm. And um, and these guys were growing, you know, and these guys were called to be pastors, and they're actually both pastors now. Um, but they would do stuff like little Bible studies here and there, and um, and we would debate a little bit and talk, but. I didn't really care much about it, but I looked up to them, um, and you know I love them and stuff. But yeah, I mean I wasn't really discipled, um, you know I just kind of was just me and Jesus for a little while until we met Patrick, our pastor. I got you. So Patrick Miller, me, me and Jackson both go to the same church, um, both serve in leadership roles there. But Patrick is our uh, our senior pastor at Life Change Church. So tell me about the first time you met Patrick. Oh, man. Uh, well, it was Starbucks in Calhoun, Georgia. Um, me and my wife, Caitlin, before we got married, we were meeting with him. And it was the first counseling session. And we didn't even really know if it was. We thought it was just a meet and greet. We didn't know it was the first session. Because when her dad set it up, he said, look, he's, you know, if he doesn't feel right, he's not going to marry y'all. So this is just a meet and greet. And uh, so we're there and I remember seeing him. And I I really, you know, I heard Todd White say it one time when he talked about Dan Moeller, which is his, the guy that discipled him, his pastor at the time. He said there was something in his eyes. And, you know, scripture says that the eye is the light of the body. And when the whole body is... Um, single, the whole body's full of light, or when the eye is single, the whole body's full of light. And that's what Patrick had, man. Like, I had Jesus. I loved Jesus. I was reading. I was praying probably more than anybody I knew. Um, Just hours in the Bible and hours in prayer throughout the day. Um, But this guy, man, he, uh, first thing he just started talking about was the Holy Spirit. And, you know, and I was like, I couldn't understand because I I grew up under that umbrella of religion, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that Baptist, the, this Bible Belt, and uh, cessationism. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know they don't believe in the power of God and stuff. But anyways, I was just listening to him talk about the Holy Spirit, but I, I didn't understand it. See, the the eyes of my heart weren't open to understand that, you know. And uh, but he just kept talking about the Holy Spirit and you know and this and that and um, and I was always like on the edge of my seat, leaned in. You know, and, and Patrick actually, a couple of years ago, he said, you know, when when we were meeting, this is Patrick talking, he said, when we were meeting, I had no idea you were as intrigued and in tune with what I was saying because your, your, uh, your body language didn't show that. 
And, you know, but on the inside, I was screaming, I got to have what this guy's got, you know. And so I was leaned in, you know, gripping my seat like, man, this guy is everything. You know, this guy has everything that I want and need. Um, And, man, we would leave the session and uh, it would be like midnight. We would shut the Starbucks down. We'd get there at six or seven and then we'd be there till 12 or one o'clock at night or in the morning. And uh, every time we would leave, I would, you know, shut the door and look at Caitlin and just say, whatever he's got, I got to have it. Um, and then he would always talk about the spirit-filled life. And, you know, I didn't really understand that. But the more we were going to these sessions, the more I was understanding that the Holy Spirit isn't just the convictor and comforter. He's a friend, man. He's he's the, the gift of God. You know, he's the voice of God. He's the one we interact with uh, here on the earth. Amen. Amen. So you lived... Uh... Well, just south of the Tennessee line, mm-hmm. and you ended up all the way down in Cartersville. How'd that happen? So, um, when I met Patrick, I knew I was immediately drawn to him. I knew there was a connection. Um, and to be honest with you, I really just wanted to be with him, you know, because I was like, man, this guy's teaching me everything I need. To <clears throat> and I've never been like that with somebody that, um, you know, my dad's awesome. You know, my, my biological dad, my, my father, he's great, and he's... He's awesome, but the Bible talks about, you know, a prophet's not welcome in his own home. And, um, you know, and, and when I got converted, uh, radically saved, my family didn't understand. You know, even though they were Christians, they didn't really understand. Like, they understood, but there was only a level, a certain level that they understood. Um, and see, I'm a little bit of an extremist so, extremist, so when I get a hold of something, I'm all in. Like, if I was into golf, I'm buying everything. You know, I'm buying the gloves, I'm buying the, the whole golf kit, the everything. Or if I'm into baseball, I'm buying everything. If I'm into tennis, I'm buying it all. You know, if I'm into a specific type of movie, I'm buying it all, man. I'm buying all the merch, all this stuff. That's just how I was. And so with Jesus, I was all in, man. I had a t-shirt, hat, and, you know, I was ready to go. Um, I was sold out. And uh, so I really started understanding that scripture, a prophet's not welcome in his own home. And... Um, And when I met Caitlin, I knew there was more than what we were doing. Um, You know, I knew we were called to do something. I I didn't know there were visions at the time, but I kept seeing myself on stage preaching on big stages, and I didn't know what that meant. And I actually remember a conversation with my mom and uh, Caitlin at the time, and I said, I'm going to be preaching on a big stage. I'm going to be, I know it, I see it. Um, And at the time, the only person I could relate it to was Judah Smith from... um, uh, Washington up north. Um, he owns a, or he's the pastor of city church up there and he has a big stage and all that. And I, that was the only thing I could equate it to was like, this is, that's what I'm called to do. And my mom made the statement. She said, honey, you know, calm down, get off your high horse, you know? And, uh, but they didn't understand what I was seeing and I didn't realize it was a vision. Um, but I remember when I, when I finally was working at Coca-Cola full time, uh, I knew that we were called to move to Cartersville. I just felt it with every part of my being that we were called to be with Patrick mainly, not just Cartersville, even if it wasn't Cartersville, just wherever this man's at, that's where I'm called to be. And um, I remember Joyce Myers said one time when I was listening to the Christian radio station that Patrick works at, Joyce Myers said, if you have a dream, write it down, put it beside your bed, put it in your car, put it on your mirror. And she said, every morning when you get up, and you see it, put your hand on it and pray 
and say, Lord, this is my vision. And, you know, she quoted a certain scripture. I don't remember what it was, but it was basically, it was almost like name it and claim it, even though I know that sometimes that stuff can get muddy. But, you know, according to Job, it says decree a thing, you know, and declare a thing. And that's what I did. I did exactly what she said. I laid hands on it every morning in my Coca-Cola van and said, God, how, whatever it takes, get us to Cartersville. Whatever it takes, get us to Cartersville. So we started going to prayer meetings uh, at Patrick's Church. We were driving an hour and a half from Chattanooga, Tennessee, all the way to Cartersville, Georgia. And people started prophesying, saying, y'all are going to move to Cartersville. Y'all are going to move to Cartersville. Y'all are going to be in Cartersville. I saw your name. I was driving down the road, and I saw your name on a billboard in Cartersville. You're going to be moving to Cartersville. And uh, by this time, we were at our third apartment, or our second apartment, sorry. And, um, and... We were praying and we were going to prayer meeting and uh, our lease was coming up soon. And so we were preparing where we needed to move to. And so we were looking at all these different cities and, you know, we were thinking about tech or not Texas, but, uh, but I was like saying Louisiana, New York, you know, Florida, wherever that there was big ministry locations. Cause I was like, we're called to ministry. You know, I don't care where it's at. We're just called to ministry. And um, those are some hubs that we're familiar with, with ministry and so we went to this prayer meeting one night and there was a man named John Patterson <clears throat> and uh, he was prophesying over people and he's always got this thing when he hears from the Lord, he says, what do you need God to do for you or what do you want God to do for you? <clears throat> and we were fasting, me and Caitlin were, and, uh, and I looked at him and I said, I want to know where we're supposed to move. And John looked at Patrick and he said, future residents of Cartersville, Georgia. And man, I just, I don't know if I cried or if I, I was happy or excited, but I was just like, man, you gotta be kidding me. Like, this is amazing. So we started taking the steps. It was a little bit, Caitlin was a little bit more reluctant because her family's in Chattanooga and she didn't want to really leave her family. Um, but we just kept trusting the Lord and eventually uh, God allowed us to build a house and we moved out here. Awesome, man, awesome. Well, we're glad to have you in Cartersville. Mm -hmm. Um, so once you got down here, that's where I met, met him at was at, uh, Raccoon Creek Baptist Church before he moved. I remember you guys moving, mm -hmm. moving down here. Um, take me through that, that process after the move and kind of those, what, two or three years up until now. Um restate the question so it's like from, from the time you moved down here to present um so what was that like two years something like that so are you talking about like when i was still in chattanooga moving to get no ready to whenever you whenever you moved to georgia or cartersville until now okay well um a lot's happened i mean we me and my wife we built the house. Um, we were praying for a location, and man, we looked at 10 to 12 houses, and our realtor was getting frustrated because we couldn't agree on anything. And uh, and finally, she just said, why don't y'all just go look at this location called The Styles? And we said, okay. So we went to go look at this location, and, and we were like, oh, this is new construction. You know, this doesn't make any sense. So we were looking, and so we looked at the numbers, and man, they were crunching crazy numbers and they were like yeah it'll cost you know 250,000 and you know all this and I'm thinking what in the world man I don't even know if we'll get approved for you know so I got physically sick um, about ready to throw up and our realtor was like 
okay. And, and we think that the realtor was trying to give us a reality check, you know, of like, okay, guys, now y'all seriously have to just agree on something, you know? So we took a weekend to fast, um, and we saw three rainbows that weekend. Um, we were going to go meet her again at another house. Um, but I think we did go look at that house and then, and then we decided to fast. And then, so we were praying and we saw three rainbows and that Monday, um, we pulled up to our apartment and before we knew the decision that we were supposed to follow through with building, um, I got, we, we parked in our parking spot and the Lord said, when you get out of the car, you're going to see a rainbow. And, um, and it was almost like he was saying, you're going to see a rainbow to confirm that you're supposed to build. And by that time I was still sitting in the car cause I was like, I don't believe it. You know, this is going to be crazy. And Caitlin gets out and says, Jackson. And so I get out of the car and, and I'm thinking, I don't even, I think I said, don't tell me there's a rainbow. You know, I think I said that I, I could be wrong, but I, I'm, at least that's what I was thinking. Um, and sure enough, there was a rainbow of our apartment. We have all the pictures to prove it. And then Patrick even sent us a text of a rainbow. You know, he sent us a picture and he said, this popped up on my Facebook and uh, thought of you guys immediately. And so we go up to our apartment, we're in the kitchen. And I said, Caitlin, what did God tell Noah to do? And she said, build. And I said, yeah, we build. And the promise came. And I said, so we're supposed to build that house. And I said, I don't know how the numbers are going to work out. Um, but they will. And man, we sewed and we, we needed to get our, our out of debt. So we got out of debt. The closing cost was going to be $10,000. Um, and then, man, the Lord just started dwindling that down. I think we ended up only having to put 2000 something down. And we were out of all of our debt minus our car payment. And so the Lord really blessed us with those uh, or that situation and blessed us with all the debt, getting out of debt, blessed us with the house. We move into the house. And at first, when we were going to Raccoon Creek, because I'm like, man, I know we're called to be under Patrick, but we're also called to be in ministry. And so I was like, Lord, what does that look like? You know, because I felt more evangelistic, you know, like outreach and all that stuff. <clears throat> but um, during prayer meeting um, one time and at a church service one time there, I kept hearing youth pastor. And so I was thinking, man, God, are you calling me and Caitlin to be youth pastors of Raccoon Creek? You know, so I, I just put it in the back of my mind. I didn't say nothing to anybody. And um, about that time, we were going to a Bible study that um, Chris Martin had at his house, Chris and Felicity Martin. And we were um, going there on Friday nights and, and the Lord was just moving. And it ended up going from like Bible study to just almost all night prayer meeting. And Jake's here to attest to that. Um, you know, just... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Give us an amen, Jake. Yeah, amen, amen Jake. <laughs> but uh, it just turned into like those midnight prayer meetings, you know, and like you hear in the book of Acts. And um, one night we're praying and, you know, and I I remember having a conversation with Patrick in his office one time saying, hey man, you know, I, I know that you're the pastor at Raccoon Creek, but man, you're called, I'm pretty, like I can just see it. You're called to do bigger things and... Um, not that there's anything wrong with being a pastor in a small town and all that stuff, but, but I just knew, I saw the anointing was too great to just be cooped up in one, one location. And so I said, man, you're, you're called to start your own church. Yeah. One thing unique about Patrick is most people are called to minister to, to their generation, probably 90% of people, but Patrick, he, he ministers to us and he's, he's not in our generation. He's a little <laughs> bit older than we are. So, yeah. but yeah, he's awesome. 
And uh, man, so we're having these Bible studies and, you know, and all this stuff and we're having prayer meeting and we're praying and God's moving. And, um, and one night we just had this, we called it our first vision night um, for Life Change Church. Um, we were there and I mean, we were already building connections because Chris and Felicity were being our worship team um, on Wednesday night prayer meetings at Raccoon Creek because our, our worship team that was at Raccoon Creek weren't coming to the prayer meetings. Um, and we would just use tracks and stuff for our prayer meetings. But Chris got connected with our church because of Patrick. And um, so he started doing that. And so that's how we started cultivating these relationships. And then Jake came in and Logan, you know, you came in and all these people were coming. And um, and so God just started growing our community. And uh, we're at this, we're at Chris and Felicity's house. It's on a Friday night. Jake, it was Memorial Day weekend, correct? Mm-hmm. You're yep. a little stressy over there. Is everything okay? <laughs> Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> uh, he's just listening, you know. Um, but yeah, so we're we're praying and and we're we're just seeking the face of the Lord and and man, we're we just all of a sudden are just you know talking about Patrick and and how we're called to be, you know, we're we're just called to be with him and we're called to to minister under him and minister with him and um, we're just called to 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 work. And support him and serve him. And Chris just started talking like, yeah, man, I was at my, my auto shop and this man, Terry Elrod, came in and said, you know, you're supposed to be with Patrick Miller. And so that, that was the first prophetic word. But it confirmed what Chris heard five years ago, that he was supposed to be under Patrick. But he did. He was a worship pastor at uh, what's the name? Grace Walk. Grace Walk, and um, and so like you didn't, you know, you couldn't see what God was doing. You could see what God was doing, but you didn't see the whole picture. You know, and it's just like scripture. He only gives us a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, he only gives us a little bit of the light where our feet can go. And um, and so anyways, he, uh, man, we're, we're just unraveling this, this vision. And, and I've made the comment. I said, Patrick is called to start his own church. And then Chris was like, yeah, man, that's true. And Felicity, yeah, that's true. Caitlin, yeah, that's true. Jake, yeah, that's true. You know, and, and Jake may have a little bit of a different take on that night. But Chris, you know, and, and how Chris is, Chris is just so witty and, and funny and comical. Um, he said, call that man up, man. Call him up. Call him up. And I was like, dude, it's 1130 or 12 o'clock, man. And, and He's probably awake. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, That's just a little bit of a night out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And uh, I think most pastors are. If you're in the Lord's work, man, you don't get much sleep. Um, but anyway, so I call him up. And uh, he's like, hey, man, you know, and I said, hey, I said, we're at Christmas Listies. He said, I know. And I said, we need you to come over here. And he's kind of chuckling. And if you just know Patrick, he says, I ain't drinking the Kool-Aid, man. <laughs> and I said, no, man. And I was like, but we seriously, we, we really need you. And he's like, all right, I'll be over there. So he drives over there. And the whole time he's driving because he told me this, he said, I'm thinking, God, what in the world are they, you know, what, why are they wanting me over here? You know, and so he walks in with like cookies and, you know, dessert at like midnight, you know, and, um, and he said, he's kind of standoffish. He's like, I ain't drinking it, man. You know, and we're all kind of laughing like, no, serious. And so I call Patrick over to the couch and I said, man, you might want to sit down for this. And he said, uh, he said, okay. And, uh, I said, look, man, I said, we all pretty much just saying we had an encounter with the Lord. And I said, the Lord's called us all to serve under you. And I said, you're supposed to start your own church. I said, not that Raccoon Creek's bad and all. I said, but but God's calling you to do something different. And uh, and I even made a reference about Jensen Franklin. I said, 
because he Patrick loves Jensen Franklin and, and Free Chapel and all that. And I said, but man, you're called to bring that to Cartersville. And I said, and and not to negate, um, not to negate Free Chapel. I said, but it's going to be bigger than that. And um, and so he just you know not like fighting back tears, but you could tell like he was shook by it, you know. And he confirmed everything we said. He said, yeah, he said two years ago, um, my brother's grandmother, whoever, had $50,000 put away for him to start his own church. And he said, I have an account of 12 or 13 people telling me I'm supposed to start my own church over the past seven years. And so God just started unfolding this vision. And so we just started seeking the Lord and we started fasting and praying and um. And it was always a running joke that I was his associate pastor at Raccoon Creek. He didn't have one and uh, and all that, but they would always joke about me being the associate pastor. And I was like, nah, I'm, you know, nah, man, that's, you know. Um, and didn't know that that running joke was going to be true today. You know, yeah. I didn't know that God was going to call me to be a pastor. I knew I was supposed to be a preacher, but I didn't know he was going to call me to be a pastor under Patrick. And uh, so, yeah, man, we had the vision meeting and, then, you know, the birth of the church happened through that whole thing. So take me through some of the challenges with planting a church. <laughs> oh, man. Um, seek first the kingdom of God <laughs> and all of his righteousness, and these things will be added to you. Mm-hmm. Man. Um, oh, man. Uh, we're still in the process. We're um, just a little bit over a year in. Yeah, and uh, it's not for the faint of heart. You know, Patrick made a comment one night at one of our leadership meetings, and he said, uh, he said, a lot of people that get to our point where we're at, the spot we're at, he said, they quit because it gets tough. Um, And I guarantee you with every church plant, um, there's a sifting, a shifting, um, there's a dying to self, there's a pruning, which is what John 15 talks about, pruning, Jesus pruning, we need to stick with the vine dresser. Um, and let him prune us. If we don't let him prune, we're not going to be prepared. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me of that scripture, prepare the way of the Lord, you know, prepare the way of the King. Um, just like John the Baptist did, you know, that's kind of what church is doing. You know, you're you're preparing the way for the move of God to move in this church, you know, and in any church plant. You're, you're getting ready for an anointing to come, a grace to come, the glory to come. And there's challenges, man. And, you know, something that I've been stuck on is, you know, James 1, where it says, count it all joy when you fall into these various things. You know, you have to count it joy because if not, you're going to get discouraged. You're going to get beat up. You're going to get offended. Um, you know, and that's one thing I honor Patrick about is he pushes us into the presence of God. He says, look, man, you know, I can I can tell you all these things. I can say, thus saith the Lord to you. I can hear from God for you, but you got to hear him on your own. You know, you got to get alone and partner with God and um, the last thing he said to our, us um, last year, you know, towards the end of the year, um, he said, guys, whatever stuff that needs to get out or whatever things, private things, you know, if there's any secret sin, if there's any, anything that you're, you're, that's going on in your private life that is hindering to the next season, you need to get with God and ask God to take it out of you because we're not going to be prepared for, for the harvest that's coming for our church. Um, but yeah, the, there's pressure, uh, pressing, crushing. Some of us are in the fire. Some of us are coming out of the fire. Um, you get pumped right back in and once you get out. Yeah. 
<clears throat> but we're going through a very fast process. Um, that's the crazy thing is how fast. I mean, you hear it from all the elders and, and the people that have been discipling us over the past year and a half, two years, five years, three years, um, however long we've been under this, you know, depending on the person. They're like, man, you're growing fast, man. You're growing. Everybody's probably heard that you're growing fast. Um, and that's true because God's getting ready to do something in the earth. Um, you know, and, and I love that scripture it says all creation is groaning for the sons and daughters of God to be made manifest. Um, and, and there's too much to do to just be sitting around, not being discipled, not getting in the presence, not reading the word, not being a part of church, not being a part of the next move of God. Amen. Amen. You got something to say, Jake? And it's just the, you know, it's easy when, like Jackson said, you know, when everybody starts telling you, man, you're growing fast, you know, when you're early in the process, you know, it's easy to think, man, I'm doing something right. They're telling me this. Mm. I'm growing real fast. Got to choke that pride out. Man. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and it takes time to come to the realization, like, it's nothing I did. It's mm. everything God's did, everything he's done. Mm. Um, you know, he gave me a burning desire to spend more time in his presence and just pray um you know for me um for me personally you know i received an impartation for pat from patrick when he first prayed for me and you know and the spirit of intercession jumped on me and you know and it didn't take long before i learned how to do that and so um it's everything that god worked and set in motion it wasn't that i did anything it was just um, everything he ordered, ordained and set in motion for him. Mm-hmm. See, and that's, I think that's key with any church that's starting. <clears throat> Prayer is key, man. You have to intercede for the body. You have to intercede for the community that God's put you in. If you're starting a church or if you're starting a ministry of any type and you have a team, you need to be praying for one another. You need to be praying for unity in the body. Um, for everyone to be in agreement. Um, you may not agree on certain doctrinal things, but the thing that you can agree on is that Jesus Christ is Lord. His blood was shed for the remissions of sin. He rose again. If you have that foundation, um, now when it comes to the sensational stuff, I mean, of course, if you're a church, you need to agree on that stuff of how the church is going to operate depending on the denomination. Um, but the challenging thing is keeping everybody in unity. Um, that's one of the hardest things right now. Yeah, you got to keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah. You know, those side issues, it, <laughs> they're not important. Right. But the the work of the Holy Spirit in your life isn't a side issue, Mm-mm. in our opinion. But, you know, at the North Georgia Revival, they, they do corporate prayer seven days a week. Mm. And, you know, it's extremely important mm. to have a prayer life because everything – if you see a pastor killing it in front of you know the church and praying for people and getting words and all this stuff, that's just that's just a product of his time that he spent with the Lord. That's where all that comes from. So we're really excited about what's you know going to happen at Life Change Church. Pretty soon we're going to get young Jacob here. He's going to tell his testimony. And Jackson, thank you for sharing. Yeah, man, uh, I appreciate the opportunity. See y'all.
Hope you guys enjoyed that uh, interview with Jackson. Um, probably going to turn this podcast into just testimonies where I interview people and they give their testimonies. Um, as always, Christ is Lord.